Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkingACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. This podcast, by, by the way, thank you, Jeff Fair. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. That's at M A I N S T R E E T P H A R M. And welcome back to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of allsportsdiscussion.com, the longest running independent ACC podcast in the country. Tonight, we have a very special guest on the show. His name is Ken Segura, and he covers Georgia Tech sports for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He started at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in 1998 and has covered a variety of beats, mostly within sports. You can follow Ken on Twitter at at K-S-U-G-I-U-R-A-A-G-C. Again, that's at K-S-U-G-I-U-R-A-A-G-C. So, Jeff, uh, before we start here, uh, just one mo- one moment, one moment. I think we've got some. Okay, uh, he's Ken says he thinks he's in. Do you see anybody calling in here yet? So I'm looking on the line here right now, and I don't see I don't see uh, anybody else in on my app. What do you see on your end, Jeff? Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I had myself on mute. No, I don't see Ken yet. You don't see Ken yet. Okay, okay. Um, let me check in with him and see if we're having... One second. I don't think I see him in here yet. I'm going to reply back here. All right, and while Matthew's taking a look at that, uh, a couple of notes from the ACC meetings, spring meetings that are coming up this week in Amelia Island. Um, Pete Pete Thamel. I see our guest uh, is here, Jeff. Jeff, I see our ah, guest. Perfect. And this is perfect timing. So, Ken, yes, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. I, my apologies again. I. Uh... I should not be covering Georgia Tech if I'm not inept with technology, I guess. Dude, you're awesome. We're just happy you're here. We're just happy you're here. We've been telling everybody we got one of the greatest guests coming on this show tonight, man. So I, I just want to make sure I introduce everybody to you again. We have we have Ken Seguera here from uh, Georgia Tech, uh, who covers Georgia Tech sports for the Atlanta, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He started at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in 1998, and he's covered a variety of beats, mostly within sports. And You can follow Ken on Twitter at, at K-S-U-G-I-U-R-A-A-G-C. So, Ken, 
Thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you so much for coming here tonight. And just tell us a little bit about, about yourself. And if, if you can do us a favor, when you're finished sure. talking, put yourself put yourself on mute, and that'll help us out with the technical technical sure. issues. Thank you so much. So the floor is yours here now, uh, okay. Ken. Great. Um, well, yeah. Uh, well, again, thank you guys for having me. It's, uh, it's 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 been my honor for you guys to to invite me on and to talk a little bit about Georgia Tech and the ACC. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I, I've covered Georgia Tech uh, since 2011. Um, I grew up outside of Chicago. Um, I attended the University of Michigan and have worked in, let's see, I've been Boca Raton and then Philadelphia and then in Atlanta since uh, 98. I'm married with three children who are all uh, eighth and seventh grade or younger. Um, don't have a lot of hobbies outside of taking kids places and, and, and uh, watching Pokemon and trying to understand what my son's talking about in, in, in that world. But, uh, but yeah, uh, glad, glad to be on and look forward to, to talking with you guys. We're really, really happy you're on tonight. Really happy you're, you're on. So as we move to uh, the 2022 Georgia Tech football season, uh, what do you think some of the major strengths are that are coming back for the Jackets this upcoming year? The floor is yours, Ken. Sure. Um, well, uh, I, I was thinking about that question. Um, if I had to say, I mean, nothing jumps out as like, wow, they're really good at X, Y, or Z. Uh, I think they're they're pretty strong wide receiver. Malachi Carter is coming back. I think he's a really good receiver. They lost Kyrie McGowan. But uh, and they have a lot of young younger guys who I think could could turn into something. Nate McCollum stands out certainly as one of those guys. Um, you know James Blackstreet and some others. Uh, running back, you know, given that they lost uh, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Jamias Griffin, they've actually recovered pretty well. And Dante Smith, Georgia Tech fans know about him. He was a, a very dependable backup. And then they brought in two transfers, Dylan McDuffie who was a, a third-team All-Mac back at Buffalo, and then Hassan Hall, who uh, I, wanna, I forget the numbers out, but he's gained something like 4,000 all-purpose yards in, at, at uh, Louisville. And so they both bring something a little different too. So they're, And then they've got a couple freshmen also, Jamie Felix and Antonio Martin. So they're, 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 they're much more solid there than you would have thought you know, uh, five months ago. Um, the, the secondary, obviously they lost a, a lot of experienced players, uh, you know, Trey Swilling, Tariq Carpenter, Wanya Thomas, notably. Uh, but they've got some young guys there. You know, Tom will tell if that's a true strength or not. But I think you saw in the spring a little bit and, um, you know, just talking to coach, the guys like, you know, Derek Allen and so forth um, could could be something, uh, you know, as the season goes goes along. Um, you know, Miles Sims is another one, Jalen King, guys that have been backing up and are now going to get a chance to show what they can do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good response, Ken. Jeff, you're up. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Um, Ken, as Georgia Tech's my alma mater, and I just you know want to say I enjoy your coverage of Georgia Tech. Uh, it's one of the reasons I still you know I'm not in Atlanta anymore, but you're one of the reasons I, I subscribe uh, to the Atlanta Journal Constitution online version so I can keep up with it. And you know, I've been looking forward to this to this podcast, to hearing you speak, even though I'm a, I'm a bit nervous uh, about the season itself. So, um, as, as we go through here, I, I hope there's some uh, things that can build a little optimism here in the op off season. 
So as we start here with, with my question mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what, what are some of the major weaknesses here with Georgia Tech going into the season? In other words, what do you think in 2022 they'll be working on in August before the first game, you know, tough opener against Clemson? You know, what are the questions that you think have to be resolved? Uh, to me, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a question to be resolved other than how how's that group going to play, but the offensive line is, is a to me, is a question mark. Um, you know, you look at last year's line, uh, they, they lose Brian Johnson, who was a two-year starter, Devin Cochran, who was maybe the best uh, player on that group. He's now he's, uh, signed a, an undrafted free agent deal with Cincinnati, I think it was. Uh, you lost your center, Mikey Minahan. And then you're replacing them with guys um, who, who, frankly, just haven't played a lot or haven't played at all. Um, so that is a, a real big concern to me, obviously, you know, I don't need to tell you or, or any football fan just how important the offensive line is. And if you're not getting the sort of, you know, push or be able to protect the quarterback, it, it doesn't necessarily matter too much how, how much those guys can do talent wise. If, if they're not, if they don't have holes to run through or, or you know, time to throw. Um, so that's a big question. And, you know, they, they, and actually, so on top of just a lack of experience, uh, they're also still a little thin. I think they're, the number i think there are 14 scholarship guys i think they've added a few guys in the transfer portal but again mostly players who haven't played a ton at their former schools even if you know some of them are pretty highly rated coming out of high school and i think particularly of pierce quick and and paul takio uh, but uh so that's a question mark even the line kind of the same thing um you know the guys that have played a lot there uh in the last few years um you know certainly jordan dominic on the edge and and Jared Ivey's another one who they both transferred. And then um, uh, in, the, in the middle as well, they've lost some guys. So, and again, so you're looking at guys that have potential, um, but uh, a lot of question marks as far as uh, just, you know, how, how well is that group going to produce? So, um, you know, all that to say, uh, you know, even though you, there's guys that are, that they're going to miss like Jean Brooks and Jaquan Griffin, those was I was talking about the, the guys, you know, the interior guys they don't have anymore who played a lot for them, particularly gentlemen. You know, college football is a funny game. You know, guys, they have a, they have a new coaching staff. Uh, not new, I should say they've replaced a lot of coaches and hired a lot of new coaches, you know, notably Chip Long, the offensive coordinator. And, you know, it's a funny game sometimes, and, and things happen that you don't expect often, and which is one of the reasons why this game is, is so beloved. But uh, so we'll see. Uh Certainly, a lot of questions. Though you know, certainly that, that for me at least, it starts a lot with uh, you know the the front on, on both the offensive and defensive sides. Okay, um, Ken, who are some of the new recruits or, or folks that have come in through the transfer portal that you're impressed the most with? You know, and are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? Um, you know, in particular, uh, the transfer, and you mentioned him already, uh, Hassan Hall from from Louisville um, mm-hmm. has me, has me kind of excited, you know, it's no replacing Jameer Gibbs, um, right. but, but he's a guy who can help soften that blow. Yeah. Yeah. Hassan Hall, uh, he was a, he's coming with his one, he was his COVID year. He was at Louisville. He was all ACC, like a, a specialist or, or, or all purpose back, I think a couple of years ago. So he's certainly proven himself, but he's a lot of speed, you know, can, can be a game breaker, you know, obviously not quite, to the level that Jameer was, but certainly someone that, that can be dangerous for you. Um, 
you know, one guy that actually who, who, who committed recently, Solomon Bird, uh, he's a he's an edge rusher, defensive end, or we're gonna call it from Wyoming. Um, and uh, I, you know, just watching his his highlight tapes, you know, he's he's got a, some some really good quickness. I think you know, first step and just you know, a nice spin move and and some good bend. Um, I, I think could be uh, an effective player. You know, obviously, he's moving up in terms of competitiveness from from uh, Wyoming to Georgia Tech and the ACC. But I think he's someone that. Uh, I would think has a chance to, to do something. And then the other running back, Dylan McDuffie, came from Buffalo. As I said, he's a, a thousand yard back there. Um, and actually, interesting, like he um, he didn't start the first half of the season, so he gained I forget the number, but it was something you know something like seven hundred yards in his last six games. So proven to be effective in a in a pretty good league. Um, and so that gives you, as I was saying, three you know experienced, effective backs. And uh, again, that'll you know to go back to what I was saying, that'll you know that'll they'll have to depend on, um, on on the line to to you know to open holes for them and that sort of thing. But I think that that's those are two guys or three guys, I guess that uh, I'll be curious to see what they do. Um, you know, another name you know we haven't unfortunately heard from in a while is Leo Blackburn. He was he was actually a member of uh, the, the freshman class last year. And uh, he came in with some notoriety. He was given the number 21 jersey, which everyone obviously identifies with Calvin Johnson. And I think there was some idea that maybe he's not going to be the same player, but the same sort of player. And I still remember it like his first practice, I think it was, he made this a terrific catch in, the, in like a seven-on-seven seven drill and, and, you know, got everyone excited. And then a day or two later, unfortunately, he, I believe it was an ACL, and so he had missed a whole year, but he's someone that hopefully will be back. And as I was mentioning, you know, the, the wide receiver core is pretty, you know, is, is one of the better groups in the team. And I think he's someone that um, could, could really make a difference uh, if it's as long as he's healthy and can get back to the form he was showing, certainly in high school and then, you know, the very beginning of, of preseason last year. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, Ken, give us the state um of georgia tech's football program you know what are the bloggers and fans thinking right now on the on the status of the program and and i'll just i'll just speak for for myself as a blogger yeah. and a and a fan I, yeah. I i'm looking towards this season as you know it's going to go one way or another in in my mm -hmm. opinion e either georgia tech fans are going to be excited or this fan anyways is going to be excited that they reach a bowl game Mm -hmm. and and have their best season under Jeff Collins right. or uh, sometime in November or December, there's <laughs> going to be the hope, you know, that there's a new coach on the way. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's my feeling. And I don't know, you know, if you f feel like that's the same thing you get from other Georgia tech fans. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, um, certainly on paper, there's a lot of reason. I think this, this season is going to be a rough ride. Uh, you start with, you know, you certainly look at the schedule. You start with Clemson. You have uh, UCF, Ole Miss, uh, just non-conference, and obviously Georgia later, and then a tough conference schedule. Um, and then, as I was saying before, you know, you've got some holes to plug on both lines. You're, you've lost your, your All-American running back. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, but, I yeah, like I say, I mean, I don't know. You know, and I'm not just saying it's kind of like, um, it could happen only because college football is a funny game. But I, you know, I, I do, you know, Jeff. I think Jeff Sims could 
could very well take a big step forward as a quarterback in, in terms of his playmaking and, and his just maturity level and, and being able to throw accurately, making good decisions. Um, and with a new offense coordinator that you know, seems to be fitting in well and, and maybe has a better plan for how to use him and the talents of the offense, they'll be playing a different style of football that I think it may make things harder for defenses to contain them. Um, and then like last year, you know, it's one of those things that it, I guess you can take with a grain of salt, but there were, there were, they, so they were not three and three and nine, um, but six, of those games, uh, six of those losses, they were, they were, um, they had a possession in the fourth quarter to, to either tie or take the lead. And obviously I'm sure every team that has a bad record, a season that goes the way they don't want can point to some stat and say, Oh, things could have been different, but I, you know, and, and certainly, you know, they, they lost those six games. So it says something too, but it's one of those things that, you know, a break here, break there, you know, you don't lose that first game to, to Miami, um, excuse me, Northern Illinois, <laughs> thinking of basketball, um, that uh, maybe things turn out differently. And so, um, so yeah, so, uh, I guess I don't, I hopefully I'm answering the question. I think I've kind of gone off on a tangent here, but yeah, the state, I'm sorry, the, the state of the program, you know, I, I think fans are, are probably mostly not terribly optimistic about how things will go. You know, certainly you, you win nine games in three seasons and it's hard to be real excited. And certainly the attendance numbers reflected that, I think to some degree, but, uh, but I think, I don't know, you know, it's one of those things that you always hope for, hope for the best and, and maybe the things that, Tech can build on, you know, the wide receivers, running backs, Jeff Sims, you know, potentially getting better, or you know, and obviously when you're a quarterback, if he's your best player, if he's if he's a, a different making player, that can obviously cover a lot of sins. Um, so so we'll see. But ultimately, to answer your question, the state of the, you know, kind of how fans are are thinking, it's you know, I think they're probably like you, that that hopeful that things might go better, but certainly not necessarily super, super confident about that possibility. All right. Absolutely. Fair enough there. And, you know, as, as a tech fan, you definitely are, you're hoping for the best, you know, it's a brutal start to the schedule, but if they could just sneak out, you know, a win, you know, don't even have to necessarily have a winning record after five games, but if they were to Mm -hmm. knock off UCF or Ole Miss or Pitt, or in, in the unlikely event they knock off Clemson, just just beating one of those teams mm-hmm. um, would probably give a fair amount of hope going into the second half of the yeah. season. Oh, I would agree. Um, and yeah, and like I mean, I think obviously the schedule is tough, but uh, they beat North Carolina last year. Uh, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Duke are all have all and Miami for that matter have all changed coaches and. You know, you, you never know for sure how that's going to break. Those seasons, those team seasons will break. Um, and then obviously, you know, injuries and everything else can can play factors. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, it, it you know, the projections aren't very encouraging or promising, I guess, as far as them having the sort of season the fans want. But, but again, yeah, it's, I, I can really see potential possibilities for how it could, could break differently okay um let, let's look a little bit nationally here ken um to mm-hmm. get your thoughts on one of the hottest topics here in, in college athletics and and right now the the topic of the moment is is how can 
you know, NIL be regulated because it's, it's obviously completely out of control. Um, it's, it's gone way beyond, I think, what, what most people intended for it, um, that it now looks like it's more of a pay for, for play um, scenario rather than, you know, athletes just getting compensation for their name, image, and likeness, which uh, I think very few people would ha- have a problem with. Because um, I think in the long run, you know, what, what is happening is going to be bad for, for college athletics to have this completely uh, uncontrolled, unregulated free agent market uh, for players. Uh, we saw what happened with, with Jordan uh, Addison last week mm-hmm. in, with Pittsburgh, you know, the rumors of, of tampering by USC, you know, in fairness, you know, they're unverified and they're just, they're just rumors. But I mean, we can see how the potential of this could, could really, um, you know, ca- cause major uh, waves in college athletics going forward. Um, you know, how, how do you think this is going to look going forward? Can it be regulated? Um, do you think it will be regulated by the powers that be? Um, <laughs> those are all really good questions. Uh, I don't know that anybody has any concrete answers. Uh, I think, you know, certainly on the NCA side, there, there's hopes that, that, uh, that, you know, a structure can be put in place. Uh, and actually just today, uh, they, I think the NCA put out a notice or, or a memorandum, whatever you want to call it of, I guess, kind of just basically a reminder that, you know, that, um, collectives uh, will be considered as boosters. And I don't think that's really new per se in the, obviously the, saying a lot of the people running collectives and contributing to them are, are boosters, but, but they're saying like, you know, collectives can't reach out to, to recruits and say, Hey, if you come here, we'll give you X amount of money or, or, you know, tell, you know, or talk to, I, I guess, have conversation with players about those sorts of same things. Like, offering bonuses or things along those lines but um but i don't know it's it's hard because like i think there's a way that collectives can be run and achieve the 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 aims that they intend to which is just basically kind of putting money in players hands by being completely within um you know ncaa rules like for instance uh you know the, the idea that a collective can't contact a recruit you know that's that's fine and it, you know a collective can basically just then say or the or the you know the coach connected with the with that that collective at, at the school can just say hey listen look you know they can't talk to you but um but listen here's what all the players on the team are making here's you know you talk to the players about what they're making and you basically achieve the same purpose and the same money can still be there it's just they have to be a little more circumspect in, in how they go about their business. But, um, but yeah, the, if, if the money's like, and for instance, like a good example maybe is, is the, the thing at Texas with the, I forget the name of the collective, but you know, there's a collective offering the saying every offensive lineman that comes to Texas and it's all crazy to think about, will get $50,000. And, um, you know, they, they, the, the collective doesn't need to tell anybody about anything. They, you know, every, Obviously, a lot in the country that wants to play college football is certainly well aware of that without the collective saying a word about it to, to them directly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know how it'll work. I mean, you know, certainly if if the, there are, you know, the the collectives or boosters that are that are are 
um, you know, going outside of NCAA rules, maybe they'll be caught. But you think about it, I mean, it's not like the, the NCAA was that effective when the, the money was going under the table. And, you know, certainly we've heard enough stories to feel comfortable saying that the deals were made by boosters to recruit um, outside of NCAA rules that were never caught. Uh, and so, you know, um, and then also too, I, I think I remember reading like the NCAA itself was understaffed with its, in turn, with its um, enforcement arm. And so uh, you can put these rules in place, but it's still going to be up to the NCAA to enforce them and, and schools to, to be aware of what's going on with their boosters and so forth. And you can make threats and, and try to make examples of people and, and that'll probably happen. But it's, it's a hard one to, to figure out what this will look like. Um, you know, you, you kind of you know, it's certainly, yeah, you know, I, 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 I share your perspective that certainly that, that this is going to change college athletics in, in a very significant way. I mean, certainly two years ago or a year ago, even, would Jordan and Addison, Addison have transferred? Would even some, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, um, well, yeah, like some of the cases like that, that we've certainly seen enough of, like actually, well, another one is the, the Isaiah Wong and that whole situation in Miami that never would have happened at least so publicly or, you know, kids wouldn't be transferring because of offers of, you know, you can come to this school and make hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, $200,000 or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, so it'll change. Um, and I think for a lot of people, I can certainly understand it and maybe most people, it'll, it'll, it'll change it for the worst. The way that, you know, fans have appreciated college sports generally is that you know, player X goes to my school that I love so dearly and, and he loves the school as much as I do. And, and maybe that reality, maybe that perception isn't entirely true, but, but I guess it, it can be fostered and, and the kids don't, you know, the kids play out their, 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 their four years at the college and, and, you know, you have this attachment to them. That's, that's really different. I think now that, you know, kids are going in the portal much more often and, I don't know. I mean, a, a part of me feels like, well, it's, you know, if this money's being offered to kids, you know, far be it for me to say you shouldn't go or you can't take it or like that. And, and, you know, sometimes you wonder about, is this in this, is this in this person's long-term best interest? And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but, you know, certainly we all did things when we were that age that probably weren't also for our best interests long-term, but we did them and, and they made sense. And, um, so I don't, I'm not quite sure where I'm going here with it, but yeah, all I have to say, I don't know how well it can be regulated. Um, you know, you know, the NCA I think is talking with the the you know the Congress about stepping in, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, but I don't know. I mean, I think you know maybe what's just happening is that a lot of the stuff that had been happening, um, you know, under the table is now more visible, and that's that's maybe the big difference is that you know it, it's much more clear and so maybe it won't change in, in some regards just uh but but i don't yeah but but i like i, I kind of think it would but a long way to a long, very long way to answer but a long way to say yeah i, I don't know that it can be regulated very well certainly in the way the ncaa wants but but we'll see i think that last statement was really important that what you just said ken this is matthew here where <laughs> What's been happening, what's been happening like under the table is now out in the open. I thought that that was such a brilliant point. What do you think about that, Jeff? 
No, I mean, I think there's a there's a lot of truth to that for sure. I mean, I, I, the rich schools seem to keep getting richer and, you know, they were getting players before and they were always rumors in the past. And, and now it's just all out in the open, which, you know, to me is if you can regulate it, which you know, I kind of agree, I agree with Ken that it may be unlikely, but if you can, you might be able to bring some of that stuff that was under the table, you know, and be able to, you know, to make it transparent and, and be able to kind of somewhat even the playing field uh, when it comes to recruiting. But that does all seem pretty, pretty unlikely. We'll, we'll have to just hope for the best. <laughs> that seems to be the theme of this podcast tonight. Hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Well said, Jeff. Well, well said, Jeff. We're going to go to our last segment here, Ken. What do you got for us? The floor is yours. An open microphone time. Anything you want to talk about? Um, well, uh, gosh. Um, I would say, like, I mean, obviously, this whole NL thing is, is it's, it's kind of become the topic of the offseason and that and the transfer portal. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know that I, 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 I think I kind of said what I wanted to say about that before, but I, yeah, like I, I think um, it's, it's just interesting that, like, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I, I sort of feel like I'm, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I, I you know, it's, I, I think for, like, for instance, like, I think what's one thing that's been to me that I've observed or heard about is that, you know, in the portal that, so much of it is, hey, how much are you willing to, to give me? And I, I guess maybe what's happened is that, you know, it, maybe it's always happened at the very top of, of the of the scale, you know, the, the top, you know, 100, 100 players in, in football or basketball, about 200, 300 kids. Um, I guess maybe in football, maybe in basketball, it's more 50 or 100. But, you know, it's been, hey, what, what do I get out of this? But I think maybe what's happened with the portal is, or excuse me, with NIL is that it's become a broader um, number of kids that um, that now kind of are aware that, hey, I have some value um, and I want to know what, what you're going to give me. Um, and so uh, it, it, it is really kind of changing things. And so I think what we're probably going to see is the schools that have the collectives that can work most effectively and efficiently and within the rules of NCA or can avoid not getting caught um, are going to have, uh, have the advantage. And, and that, you know, part of me would think that's going to be the schools that have always had success, but part of me, you know, there's maybe there's, there's, I guess you'd like Miami as an example is that, you know, if, if um, I think John Ruiz is the booster who's, who's able to, to help steer, kids there and not just in basketball actually but it's been a lot of sports um you know it, it, one or two boosters i guess that's that are in, um what's the word that are uh fanatic enough can can really change the can kind of change the the calculus of things um but then on the other hand you know it kind of makes me think of and i don't know if you remember this or not but you know maybe i guess it was four or five years ago the whole notion of cost of attendance and, um, you know, that would like the schools are going to be able to offer that to, to kids on top of the scholarship, the, the money that they need to, to, you know, to, to do laundry and to, 
to go out to eat every once in a while and to, to, you know, to go back home. Like, I think there was a lot of hand-wringing then about, oh, you know, schools are going to manipulate their, their cost of attendance money and it's going to change the, you know, kids are going to be so concerned about, um, you know, which school can offer me more. And ultimately it didn't really, as best I can tell, and, and I never, you didn't ever hear about it much after that it was first approved, that it was making much of a difference. And so, you know, part of me wonders, well, maybe, maybe in five years, um, maybe, maybe not, I guess I would lead to maybe not, but uh, maybe things will still look relatively like they do now. It's just that, you know, we're, it's maybe you get through kind of the, the bumps of this, you know, A, the portal and B, you know, um, collectives and NIL being kind of sorting itself out, letting that market adjust and maybe, you know, in time it'll all look relatively the same. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, even you go back even to the very start of, of, of college athletics and, um, you know, schools and conferences were, were, you know, kind of having the debate of how could you possibly put a, a kid, you know, bring it, bring an athlete, bring a student to school and give them scholarship money just to play football that, you know, that's preposterous. And, uh, and it, 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 I guess it changed college athletics then, but, but it's not like it, it certainly didn't end up um, being the demise of, of the industry. Um, and so, you know, maybe in the long term, you know, what looks like a, a cataclysmic event uh, isn't will it prove being, you know, certainly a, a, a change in the in the in the road and certainly a, a drastic one, but maybe not one that ultimately, um, you know, makes it a completely different business and, than it is now. But but I don't know. As I said, as I like to say, well. We'll see, and no one knows the future. Fair enough, Ken. Fair enough. Good, good statements, Jeff. You're up, buddy. Yeah, I wanted to uh, use the open mic to talk a little bit about um, what we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast with um, the ACC spring meetings and some tweets that that ESPN senior writer Pete Pete Thamel put out, and I'm just going to read from his his twitter account and this is very interesting news for for the acc i think we'll have to see how this develops uh he, he wrote uh under discussion this week at the acc meetings will be the future of scheduling including the potential to eliminate divisions as early as 2023 uh one model being discussed is each football program having three permanent opponents but not necessarily pods of three and the other five programs wrote rotating on and off the schedule every other year, which is good. That will definitely allow, you know, ACC teams to go uh, not have this six, seven, eight year gap between playing teams in their own conference. Uh, he also says uh, there's going to also a potential model with two permanent opponents and six teams rotating on and off in the same manner. And uh, these models would allow every ACC team to host every other ACC team every four years. Uh, this would bring more variety to the schedule. And I think that's something a lot of ACC fans uh, have been, you know, hoping for for, for quite a long time. Uh, I think the the division model, the 6-1-1 model, has kind of run its course. Uh, we saw how successful uh, one benefit of the COVID year was the divisionless uh, season and then having okay, Notre Dame's not in the in the ACC, but having the two best teams in the ACC play in the championship game, which was a really highly rated 
uh, game and you know this could allow for more opportunities uh, like that so we'll just have to see how the ACC meetings go this week and comes out of that but um, I- I'm encouraged to hear uh, that they're really seriously looking at at changing the scheduling model that they have now what are you, what are your thoughts on that Ken um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I saw the same tweet and, um, you know, it's funny. Um, well, I guess you can determine if it's funny. I think you get used to one way of doing things and, and there's that sort of, um, kind of, well, this is the way it is and, and it works, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think there's a lot of flaws with the divisional format and I mean, you know, certainly one of the chief of them being that the the, the intra conference um, or excuse me interdivision uh, scheduling means that you only see half of the division or almost half of the conference once every I guess six years or, or roughly there there's roughly roughly about that um, and then too yeah I mean when one side of the division or conference is is stacked that it, it makes the conference championship kind of a um, I don't know quite what the word is, but it, 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 it's not what you would want it to be. Um, and certainly it's funny, you know, for a long time, it seemed like the, the Coastal was, was stronger for, you know, and then now it's certainly the, the, the Atlantic with Clemson on, on that side. But, um, but yeah, you know, I don't know what will happen. It certainly seems like they're, they're moving that direction. Um, I'm curious kind of to know how much Jim Phillips' um, arrival and bringing some different ideas or, or different thoughts about the best way to do things, best practices has impacted things. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be something different. And, and uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, I think Georgia Tech's the complaint for so long is, is, you know, well, we, we have, we have Clemson every year and that's so unfair, <laughs> but I would wonder if there's two or three partners that, that a team gets every, every, you know, that, that, that are, that it plays permanently. If Georgia, if Clemson, Georgia Tech would, one of them would still be Clemson um, for but and actually I could certainly could see how Florida State would be another one but uh, but yeah I I certainly in favor of of shaking things up and hopefully finding a better way to to enable fans and players to see more teams and get to more stadiums than they have uh, right now. Very good take, very good take. I'll just make mine very quick, Ken and Jeff. I think that Washington Capitals are about to lose in the most absolutely excruciating fashion ever. They were up two to one. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) They were up two to one in this game in the third period with two minutes to go. They gave up an empty net goal and now they're going into overtime. And I feel like they are, they are, they are much slower right now than the Florida Panthers. I think, you know, there's a lot of people in ACC country that are Caps fans. And I know that from year for years and years ago, this probably extended all the way to the South before, you know, before Florida had a hockey team. And then there was a long time, a long dry spell when, when Atlanta didn't have a hockey team and their hockey team went North to Cal to Calgary. And they're about to lose in the most excruciating fashion possible. And I think my timeline may actually be very sad tonight. And I'm going <laughs> to leave it. I'm going to leave it on that prospect, Jeff, because I right. talked about talked about the Caps with Jeff last night, Ken. Okay, is that that is that kind of the Capitals sort of their 
Yes. Story. Yeah. I thought yeah. That's fine. yeah. This is the most, yeah, they're about to, they're, they're, well, I mean, okay, I'll be fair. 2018, they didn't win the Stanley Cup. Right. right? But they, for years and years with, with Ovechkin, with, with Ovechkin, really the, one of the best players in the league, they've always found, find, found a way to, to, to draw, to uh, find a way to choke in the most, most awesome way possible, either right. against Pittsburgh Penguins or another team. And generally in the first round, when they're the first team, when they're the, the top team in the right. Atlantic yeah. division. But this year, can they are the wild card, and they were actually up 2-1 going in this oh. game, and they made a change last night in goal with – with yeah, with Ilya Samsonov, who had stopped up until the second period, like sixty of sixty-one shots. Wow! wow. And now they're about. And now my timelines. Uh, now they just lost. Oh my <laughs> gosh! My timeline is just gonna. Oh my! In overtime against. Oof. I don't even want to look at my timeline today. Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on the ACC podcast with us tonight. The All Sports Discussion ACC podcast, the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. And we're always happy when you come on the show. It was thrilling. It's always a thrill to have a great guest like you on this, to, uh, coming on the show tonight and with your knowledge of Georgia Tech. And we'd really appreciate you coming on the show. And we hope you come again, come again sometime. Thank you so much for coming, Ken. No, it was my pleasure. And I'm sorry again for the delay. But, yeah, I'm happy to come on anytime. And I love talking about ACC Georgia Tech with you guys. And anytime you'd like to have me on, I'd be, I'd be glad to, to join you. You're so awesome. Thanks so much, Ken. Take care. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye.